Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. Not only is Bluehost Cloud our fastest web hosting available, but it's also built for WordPress creators by WordPress experts. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake-me-up-when-the-sun-sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to The Coindesk Podcast Network. Hello, and thanks for watching us here on The Hash. You're looking at Coindesk TV right now. If you're listening on the podcast, that's also fantastic. I'm Zach Seward. That is Will Foxley. We have Jen Sinassi and a very special guest wearing a very special oh. blazer, the one, the only, Danny Nelson. Danny, you're leading us off today. Let's talk about Elon Musk and his texting skills. What do you got? Well, well, we'll end the co- we'll end the show with uh, my pitch for used cars, but we'll start it with Elon mm. Musk's bid to uh, <laughs> buy Twitter. The on again, off again romance between uh, the most important billionaire and everyone's least favorite but most important social media website, Twitter. In the effort to get out of his attempt to buy Twitter, some texts have come to light between Elon Musk and many other people, some of which describe his intent to create a blockchain-based social media platforms. Now, for the crypto-native social media crowd, the really deep in their crypto-native crowd, there's, there's nothing new to the idea of a blockchain-based social media protocols. But uh, the fact that Elon, the uh, world's biggest and brashest billionaire, was just thinking about these things in relation to his attempt to buy Twitter is is something worth paying attention to. Now, Zach, what do you think? Should we be having some sort of Twitter on the blockchain where all, everyone's messages live forever? I know there are some people in crypto Twitter who prefer to delete their messages. That might be hard on the blockchain. I just think public documents are a wonderful, wonderful thing because now we get to see all the people that Elon was texting with. And there's a great <laughs> cast of characters in here. We got Joe Rogan. We got Gail King. What the hell we got? SDF and his people. There's all sorts. This is like pulling the curtain back on like the halls of power uh, in American business. It's, it's fascinating. So I think beyond that, though, it's crazy that there was reality to Elon's early desire to make this more of a Web3 social protocol, right? A protocol like Signal, I think it's mentioned in one of them. And he was looking for people who would rally around that vision. Now, 
Web3 social to date has yet to take off in a meaningful way, right? We live in a platform world. We seem to be pretty happy with our experiences on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all these giant platforms that exist and control our data. And as such, there's been some experiments to get away from that, but none of them have clicked. Is Elon the guy, that guy, to make it all work? (laughs) Time will tell. It's hard to say. I don't see it necessarily working. Danny, I think you're right to mention like immutability. That's not necessarily that something are especially fond of. I'm not one of the people, but many people are like, when Twitter edit button, that doesn't really work on blockchain-based systems, right? So whether or not the time has come for Web3 Social, I'm not especially bullish on that. But the fact that big, powerful people are thinking about it as a way to get around some of the ills that our big platform realities have brought upon us is fascinating. And it's fascinating to see it unfiltered in the form of text messages between very powerful people. Jen, I saw your hand. I'm really curious for your thoughts on this one. Well, I went through all the text messages to find out what Gail King was texting Elon about. And she just really wants an interview. I felt her pain. She was in there. She was excited. She was like, when are we going to talk about this Twitter deal? And Elon gave the same way he gave everyone else very one-worded answers, I think, as we can expect from Elon. It was amazing to just kind of see how he communicates when it's not in front of a camera lens. When it comes to Web3 social media, I was reading the story and thinking about how I might operate if I was using Web3 social media. And the immutability thing is one side of it. But paying for every post, I understand that it helps eliminate bots. It helps eliminate scammers. It helps ensure that content is quality. But I think that a lot of people might think twice if they had to pay even just a little bit of money to post to social media. And I think it might do a disservice to when it comes to accessing information and creators, you know, publishing their content to see what works and doesn't work. I have experimented a little bit with LensTube, which is Lens Protocol's version of YouTube. And I've thought twice about publishing videos on there uh, because I have to pay even just a little bit of money. Maybe I'm cheap, but... That's just my opinion on it. Will, what do you think? Yeah, you sound pretty cheap to me. The SBF stuff was the most interesting <laughs> thing to me. I they were talking about like, oh, <laughs> Canadian dollars are down against the dollar right now. I can't blame you. Exactly. No, I think the SBF texts are really interesting here and informative, right? Because SBF wants to talk to Elon. They go back and forth. Elon's very short. He's like, eh, you know, a lot of people want to talk to me. I don't know if I really care. And then they get into a little bit about the Twitter discussion, right? And within that, they say that SBF is interested in building some sort of decentralized Twitter alternative on a blockchain. And Elon immediately shoots it down and says, you can't do this. Like, it's not going to be decentralized enough. If you're going to do this, you're going to have to have these super nodes and to process all these transactions. And that's not going to work because then it's not decentralized. That breaks the entire point of it being a protocol, a decentralized protocol in the first place. So it's interesting to see that we got that point through to Elon because he's made a lot of different claims about crypto to date. He made a lot of comments about Dogecoin, trying to make like super node peers versus Bitcoin, saying that Bitcoin like needs to move towards like higher blocks. This is a very technical debate, but it's hilarious to see this come out through these text messages. Like these things were bopping around Bitcoin Twitter for quite a while with like Adam Back of Blockstream and other Bitcoin developers harping back at Elon saying, you have no idea what you bought. And here we see it in the text messages. Elon seems to have figured it out. Uh, Danny, I want to throw this one over to you get your last take on it. Yeah, I mean, going back to those texts between uh, Elon and SPF's people, I think there was something in there where Elon said, 
hell, I'll just buy the whole thing if I don't, if or let him buy the whole thing if I can avoid this whole blockchain debate. He's he's kind of over it, I guess. You can see that in those texts. I was really stricken by the way, uh, as Jed mentioned, he carried himself in these tw- in these texts. It's really kind of just the way he tweets. I guess I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> but you know, when you have billions and billions of dollars and nothing to spend on it. And, nothing, and the world is your oyster. What else are you going to do with your time? One word texts to other rich people. That's the answer, Dan. Love it. That's the answer. <laughs> does, One day. Does he have a ton of money? And that's a, that was the best. Mm. That was the best. Mm. Does SBF have a ton of money? Let's, yes. let's check. No, he's poor. Yeah, the answer is yes. All right. Let's, let's leave it there and move on over to more people with a ton of money. So Meta has opened (laughs) NFT sharing on Instagram and Facebook to all users in the US. So American users can now connect their crypto wallets to Instagram and share their NFTs with all of their friends and followers. This while Meta announced a hiring freeze causing fears of layoffs, according to a report by Bloomberg. So I checked my Instagram this morning. Apparently, this is not available in Canada yet. I don't. I am assuming that none of you Canada have connected again. your wallets. So I know. I know. Just rugged by Canada. What do you think of this? Do you think that this is what's going to bring that you know mainstream shareability to NFTs, or are we still waiting for that startup that's being built during Biddle season to to come up and become the NFT social sharing platform that we all, maybe not you guys here on the panel, but we all want? Will, what do you think? It's cool they got this done before a lot of crypto companies did, right? Like, it took a while for a lot mm-hmm. of crypto projects to get their NFT markets live. It took Coinbase till like earlier this year to be able to do that. So, I think that's notable that they got like this cross functionality. But let's turn to the more important story, which is Meta slashing its workforce, possibly, and at the very least, freezing hiring so far. Meta's stock price is down 60% year to date. And a lot of tech stocks are down, a lot of stocks in general are down. 60% is pretty brutal. And that calls for some action, which Mark Zuckerberg is definitely taking right now. He said that they're going to make sure that the firm is a little bit smaller going into next year. They have about 83,000 employees. They're saying that a lot of teams will be reshuffled. Unsuccessful people will be moved out of the organization. think we're going to see a different Facebook going to the next few years, which is interesting because they've only grown, right? Like Facebook is probably the tech stock of the last 10 years. And they've really only gone up. But we're in a different environment at this point. And I think that is the thing to watch with like macro headwinds and everything else going on. Like the fact that Facebook is taking note of this and taking action. I think the party is over and that could spell trouble for a lot of people out there who are in tech. Zach, I want to throw it over to you. Get your take. Yeah, I, uh, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to play around with this, but I'm curious to see what like the buying and selling functionality is. I think you know Instagram is very intentional here saying, you know, showcasing your NFTs, right? But once you showcase an NFT, obviously, you may be able with some degree of friction or maybe not. I don't know. I'm curious to see what the degree of friction is. You are able to potentially sell and buy those things. If you're following your favorite creator and you see an NFT and you click on that NFT and maybe it takes you to like, I don't know, OpenSea or whatever. Again, this is the thing that I didn't play out with. You know, that might be potentially powerful for some creators who are surely going to be on Instagram rather than some scrubby Web3 social platform where nobody is, right? The thing about these platforms is that they are where the party is. For as much as we love to hate on Twitter, that is where the party is. It has the critical mass. It's the thing that people want. They want to go where people are. So the fact that 
creators are going to be on these big platforms. And it's if they can bring some of the best of Web3 to that, I think that's a pretty powerful proposition. If I'm a creator who's spending my time building my brand on Instagram, and I'm able to sell, again, this is the part that I don't know exactly how frictionless it is. I'm able to sell my NFTs to my adoring fans by way of the platform that I'm already investing my time in. I think that's potentially really powerful because if NFTs really are about community, not about a quick buck in terms of flipping the hottest JPEG, if they really are about a community and that's where the community is convening, then that's pretty cool that Instagram is adding that functionality. But I don't know. That's just my take. Danny, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the, it's really the importance of getting the creatives, uh, the creatives need to get their stuff out there into the world. And like you said, these scrubby Web3 platforms aren't doing the trick. Just last night, I was minting a sound NFT for our favorite crypto musician, Ben Kessler. Shout out to Ben Kessler. Hell yeah. Shout out to Ben Kessler, friend of the show, friend of the, friend of the, friend of the newspaper. And, you know, who, I looked, who's buying this NFT? I saw Cooper Turley, Cooper Turley, Cooper Turley, Blockchain Brett, Blockchain Brett, Blockchain Brett. There was the same crowd that buys every single thing. Why is that? One reason is because these guys are just courting the market on all music NFTs. But the other reason is because they, they're the only ones who know that these scrubby NFT platforms exist. And getting those creators over to Instagram where they might be able to monetize their work to a much broader audience that isn't already in the crypto scene is going to be potentially a really big difference maker for the viability of this stuff to get beyond that core audience. Go ahead, Jen. Go for it, Will. Okay, I'll go quick. I'll go super sure. quick. I want to I want to add that the wallets that you're able to connect to Instagram with are the the mainstream ones. So we have Coinbase, Dapper Labs, MetaMask, Rainbow, and Trust wallets. And I agree with you. This is where the community is, right? And if NFTs are really about empowering creators, creators are on Instagram. And so this makes a ton of sense to me. I think there are probably a lot of startups that are building that are getting a little scared watching this. And Will, I, I don't know if you're going to talk about the layoff news, but I want to add in one little point. When I was reading this, I thought back to last year when Meta announced that they were hiring 10,000 people to build the metaverse and how quickly times have changed. So I wonder what these layoffs will mean for Meta's metaverse play. Maybe that's a little on hold. Maybe they're going to focus on this low-hanging fruit and this NFT in, in their NFT product. And, and maybe we'll have to wait before we can see Mark Zuckerberg in the metaverse again. Will, last thoughts? If you get laid off in real life, do you get laid off in the metaverse? I think a lot of Facebook employees are about to find out. The last thing I want to add on here is about stock prices again. I'm just going to keep going back to that. You guys keep talking about NFTs and I can't say it. Just I, I can't be drawn to that conversation right now. Facebook's stock market cap is equivalent <laughs> or lower than ExxonMobil's now. It's the first time in five years. And I think that really shows you how we're seeing a rebalancing and what people care about. People aren't going to care about tech for a little bit. People aren't going to care about NFTs for a little bit. So it's great they launched this platform. And I think it's going to be awesome for some creators out there. But I think the market is really rebalancing what people care about right now. Welcome to Coindesk's Women Who Web 3 podcast, your weekly podcast celebrating women supporting women, investing in women, and bridging the gender gap in wealth through Web 3. Each week, we'll be learning from powerful women, sharing their insights on topics like creating belonging and inclusivity in the digital spaces, the metaverse, building prosperous Web3 projects, investing in cryptocurrencies and building wealth, 
And we have how-tos from founders and builders who have been there and done that, healing sessions to give you the power to overcome imposter syndrome and everything you need to level up in your crypto journey. At the end of each podcast, stick around for some Zen with a relaxing meditation to center you after absorbing all the stories and the knowledge. I'm your host, Cams, and I'm on a mission to empower women across the globe to unlock the unlimited potential and earning power inside themselves through Web3. Whether you're just crypto curious or a crypto connoisseur, this podcast is for you. Let's get it. Coindesk has a new event. It's called Ideas, the Investing in Digital Assets and Enterprises Summit. It facilitates capital flow and market growth by connecting the digital economy with traditional finance. Join us for a 360 investment experience where you can source, invest, and secure the next big deal in digital assets, all in one place. Use code HASH20 for 20% off a general pass. Register today at coinest.com forward slash ideas. All right, let's talk about Uniswap Labs. That's the company behind Uniswap, the protocol. It's a decentralized finance uh, stalwart. It's a decentralized exchange on which a lot of DeFi trading takes place. According to a bit of reporting over at TechCrunch, the firm, Uniswap Labs, is looking to raise maybe 100 to $200 million, according to four sources. So nice little scoop out of TechCrunch. Shout out to them. This is interesting. It's based on sources, unnamed, so we don't exactly know what the funding would go toward, but they certainly have been ramping up efforts to be a bit more than just the biggest decentralized exchange in crypto. That includes NFT plans, includes wallet plans, and potentially more. So I thought this was interesting as we go into a lull in the crypto markets more broadly that one of the DeFi majors is potentially getting a little bit more dry powder to maximize its involvement in the DeFi space. All right. Uh, I'm going to toss this scoop to, to Danny Scoops. Danny, what do you think about this scoop over at TechCrunch? What do you think about Uniswap? What does it mean that they're trying to ramp up with potentially some additional capital? Well, you know, in this market, when I'm seeing these $100, $200 million figures, I'm not just thinking, oh, they're going to go out and get talent. I'm thinking they're going to start following the SBF playbook, go out, see who's gotten weaker, try to make some acquisitions, bring on talent and uh, intellectual property with it. I'm not sure that that's exactly what Uniswap Labs is going to be doing with this money, but I think it's very valuable for us to think about that possibility just because of what we've already been seeing with the market getting shaken out the way that it has. A lot of players have lost a lot of power, and that means that those that retain that pole position can strike when everything is cheap. So I'm sure they're thinking about that. We should think about that too. Uh, Will. Ooh, we should do a round for the hash. Yeah, yeah, we should do a round yeah, for the hash on buy. Um, Let's buy Danny Nelson's contract and get him on here every day. That's what oh I say. No, no, no. Oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. We could put a DAO mm-hmm. together Solid for play. it. Quit. If well, there's just a DAO that yeah. I have to report to, I will quit. Danny just DAO. for the record. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, oh. we own your contract. We already raised. Okay, let's dig into the story <laughs> a little bit, though. It, it is interesting on a few different levels. The first is that Uniswap has definitely a big bag of cash, right? They issued the Uni token which was then given to a lot of different people. According to Masari, the founders and the project itself garnered 21% of the initial uni allocation. 
I don't have a further breakdown from there, but it's safe to say that they have a nice little bag of uni, which has a $5 billion market cap. How they deploy that, of course, comes with a few strings attached. Whenever you see a governance token for a project, whether it's useful or not, like uni token, it does have some sort of criteria around using it, including going through like polling and getting some like OKs and elections from the DAO behind it. So it's not necessarily something they can necessarily like always use, but it does sit there. And it's funny to me that they're going through with like a funding round when they do have a lot of money that way. That being said, time to go get some, some bags, time to go make some allocations, time to go scoop up some good talent. There's a lot of projects out there probably need a little bailout. They're really good at coding. They weren't so good at the business end. It's time to go scoop them up. A few things in this piece that were interesting to me. One was the NFT marketplace, creating some sort of dominant way to route all NFTs through a Uniswap protocol. Another thing that was interesting to me was building a wallet. There's a lot of wallets out there, but there's not a lot of dominant wallets besides MetaMask. So it'd be great to see some competitors to that and a little secret within crypto that nobody really talks about is wallets actually make a lot of money. You can just add a little fee, nobody knows about it, and you have sustainable revenue. So if Uniswap Labs is looking for yet another project to add to their book and they want more revenue, a wallet makes a lot of sense. And I think there's definitely a few projects out there that could go scoop up. And they might not even have to do that much work to get this wallet paired with Uniswap. Zach, to you. Yeah, I can imagine why, you know, for regulatory reasons, they wouldn't want to deploy some of that capital from their uni allocation toward growth plans, right? I think that would, you know, for a, for a team that is largely US based and widely uh, known, aka doxed, that might be uh, a bit of an issue. So the fact that they're going to the private markets to raise some capital would make a lot of sense. You know, looking back, you know, they raised like 11 million, which is pretty small in their Series A from August 2020. Uh, big names involved in that funding round, but certainly not a big sticker price on that. So the fact that they would probably level up to something in the $100, $200 million range would certainly make sense for something that has become very central to the DeFi landscape. And Will, I think you're right. You know, We saw it with MetaMask. You know, that has become sort of the flagship of Consensus, the Ethereum developer studio, because of the fees that they're able to extract by way of swaps in the, wa- in the wallet itself. So interesting if that becomes part of the Uniswap playbook. Still unclear at this point. They declined to comment. Other potential investors also declined to comment. But a nice story, nonetheless, here in the chilly winter months. Jen, I'm going to toss it to you for your last thoughts. Well, I thought you were going to be more excited about this. You're always shitting on these small raises that are happening uh, <laughs> throughout the bear market. And this is $100 million. So I, I thought that was really interesting at a billion dollar valuation. I also zeroed in. <laughs> on on the <laughs> NFT play, right? So I, I think it's really interesting that they are going to focus on NFTs. I think we're going to see a lot more firms start focusing on where NFTs meet DeFi as we kind of live in, in middle season. And I think there are going to be some really interesting interoperable plays that come out of, of the season when it comes to NFT, meaning NFTs mean DeFi, we're going to see it, you know, they're not just going to be JPEGs anymore. We're going to be able to do a lot with them, which is going to be really cool and maybe also really scary. But that's all I got on that. Okay, I'll take it. Last thought as we go into the next subject is, yes, they have the uni token. Guess is a big check, but it does make sense. So I'm not 100% against it, right? If you have the talent and you have a strategy, then yeah, get that back, get that cash, go make another good move. Okay, let's move over to Celsius, which definitely has not been making some excellent choices in the recent past. The creditors for Celsius are seeking information 
from Equities First, which is a company that Celsius had worked with in order to get loans, was missing $439 million worth of collateral, which Celsius had given them in order to make some trades. This is a lot of money. It's a big part of the balance sheet that is missing for Celsius. According to the last numbers we had from July, about $1.2 billion is missing from Celsius's book there, and they don't really know how to get it back. Equities First, from my knowledge of the story, does not have this cash. And these creditors are looking for information about how to get this money back. So we're going through the whole ringer, going through the whole circuit here with Chapter 11. Going to throw this one over to Danny, get your take on it. Just picking on me, aren't you? Well, I'm, I got to say, we're looking at this 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 rotten onion that is the Celsius uh, bankruptcy case. You keep peeling back the layers, trying to find the money. You just find more rabbit holes. You know, Celsius more is tokens. down bad. More tokens, more <laughs> rabbit holes, no money to, to give to those who are already down in a big way, in a bad way. Celsius appears to have been given $439 million to equities first, and that money's gone. They don't know where it is. You know, it's, it's a tough situation. I can't blame the, the creditors for wanting to get more information out of this company. It just goes to show that we really need to be really mindful about our counterparties in crypto business. It's not enough just to trust some flashy headlines and some spicy uh, marketing copy. You really have to dig into what people, how people feel, what, what the word is. Celsius has always been, had always been, you know, a business that people felt kind of iffy about. And when it all went to shit, I'm sorry, when it all went bad, it's a family show. When it all went bad, <laughs> yeah, and you Jeff. start looking deep. <laughs> Yeah, when you start well, Zach deep, started it, it yesterday. We say that now on this show. All it's three of you. All three of you. Godless. All of us. All of us. I was going to say, uh, <laughs> you know, rotten mm -hmm. onion is a much more pungent metaphor than, you know, black oh, box, which is I think what we've, we've been, we've been using, you know, for these lending platforms is that they're, they're black boxes, right? They're opaque. They're not. Uh, they're, they're not in the spirit of the blockchain. They are not open and transparent for people to review in the way that other platforms that are on chain are. So in the, in the, we're peeling back the layers here. And again, there's question after question after question about practices that this firm, which had become really big and touched a lot of people's crypto savings. Very, there's many, many questions to be asked about their risk management and their principles in terms of where they were getting this yield that they were offering to their customers. So I think ultimately... This is going to probably induce, you know, state securities regulators and others to ask companies such as this to be much more transparent or not, not, or not, or they're not going to be able to operate at all. Right. And we saw this with BlockFi. We saw this with Celsius. We're going to see this uh, time and time again, because this is, I think, the consumer protection stuff that really hits a nerve with some of these regulatory agencies. So I think going forward, crypto lending is going to be uh, much more closely scrutinized. And you're going to hear, you know, complaints from the industry that, that, that they're being overly scrutinized. But I think here, you know, the proof in the pudding is that, hey, maybe they did deserve more scrutiny in terms of transparency leading into this thing before, you know, small time retail people looking for a little bit of yield on their Bitcoin are left holding the bag. Will, I'm going to toss it to you. Yeah, equities first, though. It's in the name. It's a TradFi organization. So it is interesting to see them move into crypto. I don't know. There's a lot of disclosures to their investors, right, about what they were doing. And now Celsius is culpable for that. Not saying Celsius didn't make a lot of other bad choices. Like they've made plenty uh, to spare themselves this. But the fact that Equities First is also involved tells you a little bit about other firms outside of crypto, right? Like 
crypto regulation is definitely coming. Everybody knows that. And it's more or less deserved at this point after Terra Luna, Three Arrows, etc. But it's also notable that there's firms like Equities First that are out there not handling their bags well either. That's my last thought. I'll throw it back to you, Zach, as we wrap up. That's it. Let's wrap this thing. Let's put that onion back in the fridge and we'll revisit it another day. I'm sure. Throw it out. It's going to be great. No, you got to keep it in there, man. You you never know. Could come in handy. We'll see. How many science experiments do you have in your fridge? Because I have a lot. Machine skis onions. Yeah, it's just going to make all the other vegetables rotten. It's got to go. Garbage. Yeah. You you never know. We'll Mm -hmm. we'll get to it one day. Mm Let's just take it, more onions. take it easy. I don't know. Take it easy. Yeah. All right. That's it for the show today. We'll be back on Monday. We'll get you updated on what's growing in the fridge and more. I'm Zach Seward. That's Will Foxley, Jen Sanassi, and special guest star Danny Nelson in the Danny Dow. Our salesman never. suit. Never did, yeah, never did any doubt. Not All right. It's Friday, and we're going to have a fun time this weekend. Too we late. hope you do too. And we'll see you soon. Bye, everybody. That's it. Bye. That's Danny it. Dow's Get already a thing. We already have your rights. <laughs> You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade or at least grab an extra latte. After getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals24. That's Chime.com goals24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.